it just so happened again, and I still don't believe it. Elaine and I were in Ethiopia serving missions in some very remote places. Pioneer missionaries had left the highways and byways and trekked out into the bush, jungle, desert and mountains to set up primitive homes among the tribes. Their first job was to build an airstrip so that supplies could be brought in and medical needs met. No roads. Our mission, MEF, provided HF radios which run off car batteries and had a range of about 300 miles or more, depending on terrain. To our, so our daily routine was to get up fairly early, have breakfast and then switch on our radio, first to invite any emergency traffic and then to communicate with the mission stations on our route that day, taking mail, supplies and personnel. Yes, we have even had a bathtub on board, also kitchen sink, live donkeys, cement, corrugated iron, sand, corpses and much more. Anyway, this started off as most days, routine. I rushed out of the house trying to keep to my planned schedule and the arrival times I had promised the several mission stations I'd be visiting that day. Elaine stopped me as I was going out the door. We have no money. Can I get an advance on our next month's support from the bank? No, we can't do that. Otherwise we will be in trouble next month. I didn't stop to ask her why she needed it. I'm glad I didn't. I need to explain at this point that none of the MAF personnel are paid a salary. When we were accepted to work, we were required to find our own support. The mission, of course, directed Christian givers in our direction, and about nine months after joining, we had an income sufficient for us to be sent out to Africa. As with most British missionaries, the income was at the minimum level. So for Elaine, not having any money was not unusual, but the need was. We had twin sons born just a couple of months earlier, as twins were not diagnosed and the baby was due to be born at home, the unexpectedly difficult delivery almost became a disaster. Both they and Elaine just survived, but it had taken a physical toll on her. She was feeding the babies with powdered milk, which was available in seven-pound tins. When I said goodbye to her that morning, she had only enough left to last until tea time. In my rush that morning, she didn't have time to explain. Even if she had the money, it was three miles to the nearest shop and she didn't have transport. I'm off, flying around western Ethiopia to very primitive places, such as a jungle station, where fire is obtained by rubbing two sticks together. It takes 45 seconds, I watched them and timed it. And clothing is made of bark from trees, or to Sudanese tribes which have no borders. It is said that the Ethiopian authorities sent soldiers to collect taxes from them, but they lost their heads. So taxes have never been collected from that tribe since. It was getting on in the afternoon and I was on my way home, empty, the aircraft as well as me. The last mission station before home had an airstrip like the back of a camel. The landing end was similar to an aircraft carrier, 
except immediately after touchdown the ground rose steeply. The aim was to stop at the top of the camel's hump, or you went down again very steeply on the other side, and it was difficult to avoid hitting the tall trees at the far end. On take-off you went out the same way as you came in, but because the mission station was at one side of the strip and the clinic at the other, it could be hazardous with people or animals on the strip, unseen by the pilot. This problem was resolved by the missionary climbing a tree, the control tower. At the top of the camel's hump, where he could see the aircraft away down at the start of the strip, and also see the other end, he then waved coloured bats to give the pilot the all-clear for takeoff. Having offloaded the aircraft at the top of the hump and beside the clinic, I got myself strapped in. But before I could start the engine, Lois, the missionary's wife, came running out to the airstrip with a big cardboard carton in her arms. I opened the door for her, and all she said was, Give this to Elaine. The box was pushed behind a seat, and the engine wound up. Only 105 miles to our base, so it didn't take long. Aircraft into the hangar, then transport three miles home, plonked the box in the kitchen, greeted Elaine, and casually said that Lois has sent you a box. Elaine opened the box. Two seven-pound tins of dried milk powder, the very same brand that she had been using. Never before that date or that hour had we needed dried milk powder in that way, and never in our lives since. What was God saying? And how many times did he need to say it? Those tins had been in Lois's larder for two years. They had bought cows in the meantime and had forgotten about the milk powder, which was still in good condition. Then, on this very day, Lois decided to spring clean her larder, and seeing the tins, realised that, that they were no longer needed. I'll send them to Elaine, she decided. Most of the missionaries in Ethiopia knew about the birth of our twins, as they all listened in to our morning broadcast to hear if there were any emergency situations, and we weren't slow to announce the good news of the boy's arrival. The timing of Lois's spring cleaning and her thoughtful gift were absolutely spot on. And it was a huge relief for Elaine to unpack that carton and discover its contents. Only God can do things like that. We've never forgotten that day.